Welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. This is episode 1076, my interview with Deborah Eden Tull, discussing her book, Luminous Darkness. Enjoy. Hello, Eden. Welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. Great to have you here today. Happy to be here with you, Lee. Thank you. Whereabouts in the world are you? In the mountains of Western North Carolina. We moved here from California across the country about five years ago. Wow. And this is a uh, very cold but beautiful winter's day. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, in the mountains, huh? Yeah, yeah. Nice and quiet and peaceful up there. Deep forest, nice and peaceful. Is that where you do most of your writing? Yeah, um, at least for my most recent book, my third book, a lot of the writing occurred here. Uh, just sitting by a little creek, sound of water. And um, my other two books I wrote when we were still living in California. So okay. this is definitely a, a writer's haven, the forest. Your third book, how did you find the process of writing the third book? You know, I would say each time you go through the process of writing a book, um, there's such a deeper learning. And mm. this book was a unique process because the topic is darkness. Luminous Darkness is the title. And more mm. so than any book, I felt myself just being asked by life to drop into the space of uh, receiving. Sometimes people like to use the word channeling um following an unknown creative stream <laughs> and so i got to rest in the darkness as i wrote about darkness you with me yeah right no it's um it's an interesting sort of title an interesting book that you've written yeah 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 um so we, we can delve into this obviously um today but i mean luminous darkness it's sort of like the opposites isn't it yes one of the reasons i wrote the book is such an awareness in my own spiritual practice and years and years of teaching in my own life of a real duality that people hold between light and dark and this way that human consciousness, especially in the dominant paradigm, there's a great putting of light on a pedestal and a wanting to reject, to push aside, to turn away from, to avoid everything that we label dark. And this we can see both in how we relate with ourselves, difficult dark emotion, wanting to push that away. We can see it in the epidemic of systemic racism and xenophobia. We can mm. also see it in how we treat the earth, just to note that in the past 50 years, we've seen the overlighting of planet earth to a severe degree that's harmful both to the biological systems on our planet as well as human health. So I'm one who is always asking uh, deeper questions and questions of the heart. And Lee, it, it has never made sense to me or been true to my path that um, darkness is, uh, as we define it in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, the complete absence of light and that darkness is somehow negative and sinister. Because if we look to even the natural world as our teacher, we recognize darkness as an incredible seat of restoration, of regeneration, 
darkness as the yin as opposed to the yang. And I'm one who's very passionate about wholeness. Humans need mm. both yin and yang. So I could go on and on, but these are some of the threads that invited me to help people explore and open to luminous darkness. And maybe the last thing I'll say right now is that, you know, we're facing really intense times and times of change as a collective, as a species. And so there's much um, benefit to looking at our relationship with the unknown, with mm. the mystery itself, and also on the spiritual path. We face the unknown. It's, it's part of the journey that we choose if we're on a spiritual path. So there's so much benefit and medicine to um, learning how to meet the unknown with a, a kind of reverence and respect, and then recognizing something so many spiritual traditions across the globe have recognized that darkness is our equal teacher to light, that darkness is a source of medicine too. So now I'll pause there. That's, um, so there's, there's light in dark is what we're saying, is what you're saying. Cause I mean, when you think of darkness, yeah, you do think of the absence of light or, um, yeah, very negative sort of thoughts anyway, I conjured up. Yeah, I would say um, in darkness, what we're going for in practice when we say, I want to know more wholeness, I want to know more interconnection, I want to move from perhaps a more conditional to unconditional relationship with love. Darkness is a great instigator of remembering those um, those experiences, those truths. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, you sort of said that now more than ever, we're going through these, these, you know, difficult times, I suppose, a lot of change. I mean, we've always done that in the history of humanity, right? This is true. And I think there's something unique to this time, just even if we take something like, for instance, um, the climate crisis, you know, there have been so many times in human history where people have witnessed perhaps an entire genocide, uh, the peoples, but maybe never before have had in their awareness, wow, where, where is this going? And do I need to be concerned about um, an entire change to how humanity uh, has been living on our globe? So some bigger questions perhaps, and just a lot of change in recent years. I wrote the book, finish the book during the pandemic oh, yeah. and so just even recognizing that as a bit of a walk in the dark <laughs> for people all over the world when so many of the systems that we've relied on um, paused and mm. i think it's really an important um, invitation for people to as i said before look at our relationship with what we can't see and don't know and to look more deeply at our relationship with change. Yeah. 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 I guess, I mean, that, that pandemic was something that was um, an eye opener for everyone in the world and uh, took up, um, took many people into dark places. you got it. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. At a global scale, but um, yeah, I guess you're, you're sort of trying to find the positives in the darkness or the lessons in the darkness. Is that what you're sort of thinking or? I'm actually inviting people to go beyond that. I'll, I'll share, Lee, I'm a, a teacher of um, Zen, uh, Buddhism, and mm. really inviting people to consider if the duality at a very deep level 
of positive versus negative is even helpful. So yeah. one of the things I ask people to look at is anyone who's listening who might have sat down to meditate before um, or just paid a little attention to how your mind operates, what I call the mind of separation. You might notice a kind of habit pattern of labeling our life experience, our human experience through the lens of good, bad, higher, lower, positive, negative, superior, inferior, better, worse. And this kind of hierarchical perception, when we really investigate it, it's an overlay. It's something we bring to experience. It's not inherent in our actual experience. There's a great quote by a writer, Barbara Taylor Brown, who says, darkness is not dark to God. The night is as bright as the day. Um, recognizing that there's a lot of harm caused by this hierarchical perception. Mm. And part of um, the work for someone on a spiritual path is, and part of the freedom is recognizing a choice we have to listen deeply enough Deep listening, by the way, is one of the great teachings of darkness. To listen deeply enough to recognize that the habits of the mind and the uh, perception lens of our habits are not what we need to follow without choice, that we can inquire and question, <laughs> is this actually causing more suffering or leading me closer to uh, clear seeing and compassion? So I don't know how many people in the audience listening have kind of a meditation practice or any experience of mindfulness, yeah. but anyone watch their mind for a few minutes <laughs> um, would, would be aware of the conditioning that we have a choice in abiding by or not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's taking the time, isn't it really, which is, is probably we're in the habit of not doing, you know, we don't take the time in many instances and whether it's dark or light, you know, we, we just jump straight into it and, and go with it rather than questioning it or thinking yes. or, or slowing down or showing some level of awareness. You've got it. Yeah. So sometimes I, I talk about that as shallow listening. Uh, I teach that list, how we listen is how we perceive, how we listen is how we perceive. And Oftentimes people are just kind of in the habit of listening shallowly. We literally consume our thoughts and believe we are our thoughts and even thoughts that are negative spirals or negative self-talk. We sometimes talk about it goes mm. unquestioned and the quality of our life experience is determined by the focus of our attention. So if we're just, believing each thought without paying attention to our actual direct in the present moment experience um, we don't recognize that we have more choice than that deep listening is a practice it's kind of like imagining that everyday ordinary life is our meditation and we meditate by listening more deeply <laughs> so we pay attention from a, we might say, um, deeper source of intelligence inside. And we can notice our thoughts, but there's a, a recognition uh, of something more and a recognition of having choice in what we give our attention to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. How do yeah. we practice deeper listening? Oh, there's so much I could say about this. Mm, probably, <laughs> it's one yeah. of my main passions in life. And 
In addition to Luminous Darkness, my second book is called Relational Mindfulness, a handbook for deepening our connection with ourself, each other, our planet. And it's both books um, offer guidance about deep listening, but a few basic things I can say. Mm. One is just for people listening right now to um, be aware that Many of us have been conditioned for our thinking mind to be center of gravity, and it's really helpful <laughs> to more down into our bodies and practice actually listening with and through our bodies. When I'm listening just in a shallow way, Lee, I could be listening to your words right now, but I'm really distracted as an example by um, my opinions about what you would be saying or mm. thinking about what's for dinner or, mm. or thinking about what does he think of me? How do I sound? This surface stuff. And I think most people alive today are hungry and longing for something deeper and richer and more fun and alive than the surface stuff. Yeah. So when we drop more into our bodies, um, there's a way that we can listen both to words that are being said, but also to the more subtle, to the feeling behind someone's words. We can listen both to how we're feeling as we're listening. We can pay attention if we want a close connection with the natural world, which is so nourishing. We can learn to listen in the moment. Listening mm. to life as it unfolds is one way I describe meditation. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. guess the mind's so distracted. I mean, um, you know, as you're talking, then my mind's always going everywhere. So, um, I do, I do struggle, like most people, I guess, to sometimes focus fully and listen more deeply. Um, it's obviously, you know, when we don't have a a face to face connection as well, we're doing this digitally, um, through the uh, through the waves as such. Um, yeah, it's a little bit different in that context, but still, you can um be there more present. Um, at any at any time you're having a conversation with someone. Yes, yes. And one of the things I appreciate about darkness, just think for a moment about, um, you pointed to it before, but how distracted uh, many people are in today's world, the, the extra added distraction that I know my parents didn't have of the iPhone and computers and social media. This way, what I, the way I talk about it in my book is, um, in addition to the overlighting of planet Earth, perhaps we're experiencing the overlighting of human consciousness, a world filled with bright lights and artificial poles distracting our attention, also uh, relating light to speed and activity. Let's get something done <laughs> and busy mm. schedules. And this pulls us to the exterior world and further away from the interior where we really experience wholeness when we're in balance in touch with our feelings in touch with our body and equally engaged in the world so ultimately we want a balance of light and dark yin and yang but in this world of great distraction and bright lights um it helps to have some kind of practice of, of pausing of slowing down of recognizing by even closing our eyes the habit pattern of being caught in what we might think of as with eyes open the mind that's fixated on 
detail and discrimination. But when we rest more in the dark, or there's a meditative practice of just softening the gaze, which does the same thing, we open to what we talk about in Buddhism as whole mind awareness. Again, mind thinking mind is not center of gravity. I'm dropped into my body in a much more grounded, peaceful, connected way. And I'm taking in the world without um, putting everything through the mind filter of mm. good, bad, right, wrong, <laughs> positive, negative. It's a deeply peaceful and regenerative way of being. Mm. Yeah. How do yeah. we, um, then, how do yeah. we shift this button? Because I mean, you know, we are in this world and I often think about this in my own chaotic life where I just love being busy and perhaps busyness is my own distraction for something more within that's um, not balanced, but um you know, I often do think about it and think, you know, why why rush through life and rush through every moment without actually feeling it or being present? Um, you know, we're distracted by the phones. Life's busy, you know. Uh, it seems like everyone's got to work extra hard to, to earn a bit more money so we can have a bit more stuff that perhaps we don't need. Um, you know, there's all this chaos going on, but um, how, do we, how do we slow that and how do we accept that it's okay not to have all that? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. The first thing I would offer is, I like to remind people that, um, you know, when we talk about this kind of listening, slowing down enough to listen more deeply, um, we're talking about slowing down enough to pay closer attention, as you just said, to these moments in our life, which are passing, which are fleeting. Uh, attention is the most subtle form of love there is. So even in our relationships, we can pay more attention to one another by listening more. We can pay more attention and take more care of our bodies by listening more. Lee, I also bring this work into organizations and yes, folks, even corporations, mm. um, where yes, people are working at light speed, but we're all human and share this experience of needing to take care and to take care with one another. There's a huge tear in the fabric of human relationship right now. And recognizing ourselves as agents of being able to heal this, that, that is more nourishing to the heart than anything I can think of. In terms of practicality, I also want to say that just starting by learning to pause more often. So an acronym people might uh, enjoy, the word yep. stop. The S for stop, the T, take a few mindful breaths. Just take a few breaths. And the O, to observe, just to make sure to pause and notice what's yep. happening yep. inside and out. The P to proceed. I'll also share for our listeners that part of my proceed, passion, yeah. yes, yes, but part of my passion for all of this, uh, Lee, began when I was a kid, because when I was 11 years old, one day out of the blue, my father, who was always incredibly healthy, who was a yogi and a marathon runner and our soccer coach and very active in the community, found out one day, just out of the blue, that he had one month left to live. Wow. And 
that was my first experience in my life of the avalanche of impermanence. And it informed my whole life going forth because not only did I recognize there isn't time to waste and there isn't time to not be here for. I want to savor this life because it could be short. But also, Lee, I got to watch my dad, who had a contemplative Christian practice in his life, bring his life to close with gratitude and grace mm. because he was so present. <laughs> and that's an incredible teaching to offer a, a young person. Yeah, right. Are you with me? You're very wise yeah. for a young girl. Yeah, yeah. Well, to well, be able it, to take that teaching, I suppose, at that age, I think is more um, paramount for you. And then yes. be able to use that to direct your life. Because, I mean, I fortunately um, or unfortunately, depending on your perspective, didn't have that sort of experience, you know. Um, I just lost my father last year and that was my mm. awakening. Um, mm. And certainly mm. I think for anyone that has that loss, that is where you go, okay, this is life. Um, it can it can be taken any moment, really. Um, yeah. And I think as you age, yes. generally you start to realise that as well. But... You know, again, in this modern age where our attention's stolen from everyone else and we never really seem to pause and connect within to know which way we're directed. So whilst you might be saying this is how we should be living life to make sure we're maximising the moments, potentially we're doing it in, in unmeaningful ways, I suppose, you know. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. And I want to say I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your dad and that loss uh, and just the the intensity of mm. a waking up we go through uh, when we're reminded of life's impermanence and also in the same way that um, darkness is a teacher, just as light is. Yeah. It's carried in that, in that example, those mm. experiences that really um, invite us to reflect a little more deeply on what we want our energy to go to. Uh, may I share a quote that I've always found useful? Please. Yeah. There's a quote by a Tibetan Lama, Tartong Tolku, that I also heard at quite a young age, and it's, energy is our most precious resource, for it is the means through which we transform our creative potential into meaningful action. And he goes along in this particular teaching to talk about, you know, just like you're saying, when we're young, we just feel full of energy and we're not particularly mindful of our energy and what we put it towards. Why would we be? There's almost an illusion that this is going to last forever. Mm. Good health, um, good fortune if we have that, um, whatever it is. And as we get older, we become more viscerally aware that we have finite energy. And the gift of this in spiritual practice or secular mindfulness practice, if that's uh, the thing, the gift is we can begin to recognize the power of what we give our attention, our energy to, and that we actually, each and every one of us does have a choice. We do have agency. We have a choice in each moment and each day. And so it's easier than we think is what I want to offer to begin or to deepen our redirecting of our energy to what is actually the bring, going to bring us the most joy, the most peace, what is the most authentic for each of us. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's important to remind people of every age <laughs> that we do have this choice and that we can help one another with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I question helping one another with it. Um, and I also question the ease of doing it because I understand exactly what you're saying. You say that we have that agency, we have a choice, and it's actually easier than we realize. But yet for, for many things that we, the darkness that we experience in our individual lives, um, some of it seems so hard to overcome. Hard to overcome. And what I'm encouraging is actually more of a um, being with it and meeting it with compassion. And folks listening, I don't mm. believe that that's hard. Luminous yeah. darkness, uh, I talk a lot about how to turn towards rather than away from yeah. that which makes us uncomfortable, from our pain, yes, our traumas, uh, from those difficult places inside. This is one of the challenges with the society that has for so long valued light over dark is that it hasn't enabled us to cultivate and develop um, an, a really strong emotional intelligence. Yeah. Uh, but in this book, I talk a lot about and I offer very simple, direct tools, how to turn towards that which feels difficult inside, how to turn towards those parts of us that we've maybe labeled shadow or judged and rejected and tried to push away those difficult emotions, how to befriend the night is the metaphor I use. And it is easier than we think. Because uh, we're all made of a great deal more compassion than we know. It's also something we can help one another with because this kind of presence, this kind of compassionate being with that I'm talking about, um, it's contagious. You, you really feel it when you're in the presence of someone who's embodying it. And the more we start to turn towards um, those things we've pushed away, the more we develop a discomfort resiliency yeah. that we, I believe we need so much more of in today's world. <laughs> mm. Discomfort resiliency. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's probably the, the issue in many ways is we don't want to be uncomfortable. Yes. And yet in the process of trying to avoid discomfort, we take everything that we find negative or hard to be with and we put it under the label of darkness and then use that to justify uh, pushing it away into some closet somewhere and all that happens there is that it remains in isolation all healing occurs when we bring things out of isolation healing occurs through relating with life through our mm. relationships, mm. through our compassionate relationship with ourself. And, and I tell you, I write in the book a lot about my life path and all of the twists and turns that people would label, wow, what a difficult, dark experience. How did you get through that? What a difficult, unfortunate series of events. And because I knew that what I'm here for is love and because I was willing to uh, do just this, turn towards rather than away, and to continually say, let me meet this darkness with curiosity instead of my mind's assumptions and judgments. Um, all of those things that have occurred have strengthened and fortified me and put me in touch, to be honestly, with a far greater joy than I had ever known before. Because 
Grief and joy are two sides of the same coin. If we're pushing one away, we're pushing both away. Again, this is part of our emotional intelligence that I'm talking about. Mm. That's interesting. So grief and joy, if you're pushing one away, you're pushing both away. Yeah, we're pushing away our feeling capacity. And, you know, perhaps just something to investigate um, people listening. Maybe there will be something here for you. I don't know, um, Lee, but sometimes people find that the busy mind, thinking, 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 um, and also the busy schedule, doing, 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 that uh, this is a is part of a kind of tendency to try to push something away. If I can keep busy, then I don't have to really feel. If I can keep trying to mm. um, label and understand everything that happens through my rational mind, then I don't have to actually face the unknown. In Buddhism, one of the biggest teachings of wisdom is learning how to rest in not knowing because that's the place, the darkness, the not knowing. Sometimes we talk about beginner's mind where fresh perspectives and clearer seeing than the thinking mind can hold is able yeah. to emerge. Does that mm. make sense? You yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, it's very refreshing thoughts, really. And lots to ponder with. So when we're listening to this, uh, it's likely most people will go away and keep busy with their day <laughs> rather than taking the time to just reflect for a while on what you've said. So um, some powerful thoughts uh, shared today, Eden. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for your questions and your time. Really appreciate it. Good luck with your book. I'll stick a, a link to the book in the show notes for those listening. Um, how can people best reach you, Eden? Where can they connect? Thank you. People can find me at my website, DeborahEdenTull.com. People can um, work with me in all kinds of ways. There are both in-person retreats and a whole lot offered on Zoom. We have a weekly meditation group on Tuesdays International. And I would just share, Lee, that one of the best compliments that I receive often is that joining me and joining my community on Zoom does not feel like being on Zoom. <laughs> that oh, it really cool. feels like being in person in authenticity and realness and down-to-earthness. That's lovely. Enjoy. So, again, thanks for your time. Thank you. I'll stick I the really link do. to your website in the show notes and a link to the book as well, guys. So check it out at thehiddenwide.com and connect with Eden further. And uh, thanks again, Eden. All right. Be well. Till next time, guys. Peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. 
You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose. And in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is The Hidden Why. My name is Lee Martinuzzi. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.